If age is a state of mind, could mindfulness change the way we age? Find out next on Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science. And it's actually younger than the internet, believe it or not. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and welcome to Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Jeff Sanders, and I want to thank you for being here today. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you like what you hear on this podcast and you want to add more positivity to your day, you can do that anytime by visiting our website, livehappy.com, or by grabbing the latest issue of Live Happy Magazine at your favorite local newsstand or bookstore. This week, we're talking with Andrea Brandt, a psychotherapist, speaker, and author with nearly four decades of experience. Although she is a pioneer in the treatment of anger issues, she recently began going in a new direction to look at how we can age better. Her latest book, Mindful Aging, Embracing Your Life After 50 to Find Fulfillment, Purpose, and Joy, looks at how we can all age more mindfully. And Live Happy Science editor Paula Phelps talked with Andrea about how to bring more joy into our lives. Andrea, I really thank you for joining us today. This is such an important topic, and I know it's something that a lot of our listeners are, are looking at every day. Good. Well, I'm glad to be here to talk to you, Paula. Well, you know, something that I thought was really interesting is that throughout your career, your work has really focused on anger. And... I'm interested yeah. in knowing what caused you to shift your focus from anger to aging. Well, you know, I spent a lot of time in my practice dealing with anger and conflict and working with individuals and couples because no one ever gave us permission to be angry or how to be angry in a constructive, productive way. So I devoted a lot of time to that, writing two books and a workbook and doing a CD and everything like that. And I realized that I somebody approached me to do yet another book. Oh, a book on anger for women. And I realized I had said everything I needed to say. But what I was seeing uh, that kind of overlapped this time is I was seeing a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that were feeling kind of irrelevant, like feeling like they couldn't do certain things because they were just too old. And of course, they weren't too old, but that right. was the belief they were buying into. And I thought to myself, well, I can relate and identify to these people. I'm feeling symptoms of getting older or going into another phase of my life. And I thought about it in terms of my own family, which was a very matriarchal family, and they produced and thrived well into their 90s. Oh, my gosh. That's, a, and, that's good genetics. Yeah, my grandmother was 98 when she died, and at 92, she got divorced for the second time. <laughs> she didn't want to waste and time. I said, <laughs> yeah, right, when I said to her, I said, 
why on earth are you doing that? And she said to me, he just holds me back, Andrea. <laughs> and she was 92. And I thought, 92, she had six more meaningful years. I thought, okay, who am I to tell her not to do this? I love that. And, yeah, and I, I began listening, you know, to the message society said, us about getting older is like the waiting room for the next world and like we're over the hill and in doing the research I've been feeling like we're not over the hill we're on top of the mountain and the reason that society we have to change societal messages about aging is that we're all living longer and we're healthy Right. It's kind of like the longevity bonus, as I call it. So why not make this part of your life about you and what you want? Yeah, and, you know, it's so interesting because we see a lot of information now about people actually get happier as they get older. You know, and we're not talking yes, about when, exactly. when not when you're dealing with disease and things like that. But even though... No, of as, course not. Yeah, even though as we age, there's... there, And we lose people... There's still, we're, we're learning, we're finally getting this happiness thing down by the time we get older. And, and I think right. that's something that's come as a surprise to me as I've seen the research on that, that we really can um, enjoy the, the end of our life as much as we enjoyed the beginning of the, our lives. Exactly. And, you know, there's no magical age at which we need to abandon our dreams and surrender our possibilities. So we need to devise a vision of how we want our life to be and a vision of something we would love. You know, many of us have done family and children and careers and maybe one or the other or both, but now... Some of us are retired. Some of us are now. Um, don't the, the kids are off, and we don't have responsibilities at home as we once did. And so now we can design something and experiment and explore and get rid of things that don't work for us anymore more, you know, fears and resistance that might hold someone back. Well, that's you something know? that's so interesting because you really give this empowerment. Like uh, what I loved yeah. about what you've written is how it's, it really just throws out everything that we think about being powerless and becoming frail and becoming, uh, you know, hopeless. And it's like this is a really right. empowering time. Yes, it is. It's a very empowering time, and it's a wonderful time. And, you know, you have total permission to um, have life as you want it, you know. And if you're not doing it now, don't waste any more time, because I remember reading many years ago, um, and this had an impact on me, boy, uh, what's her name, Joyce McDougall, who was a psychoanalyst in front, Paris, said that people spend most of their waking hours in denial about mortality. They go through life as though it's going to go on forever. And guess what? It's not. 
Uh-oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, it's not going to go on forever. So you need to really live your life with more intention. Well, and that brings me, the, the title of your book is Mindful Aging, which is, is a great title because it makes me go, hmm, what's that about? And I wondered, first of all, what inspired you to approach aging from the standpoint of mindfulness? Well, I think mindfulness is an incredibly strategic skill that um, gives us so much in our lives because Firstly, it says, slow down. Everybody's busy, running here, running there, doing errands. Um, They're like moving targets. So I ask people to slow down and drop down into their internal selves and see what's really going on with them. Because in my opinion, most people go through life in a trance. They don't have a clue about what's going on with them. Yeah, we just kind of jump on the treadmill and do the next thing that we're expected to do. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going through life mindfully, you're going through life on a, and noticing moment to moment what you're feeling, what you're thinking, memories, thoughts, you know, visuals, whatever. But you're doing it from a non-judgmental position. And you get the wisdom of what's going on with you. And when you have mindfulness, you can break through um, habitual patterns of behavior. You know, we all get up in the morning and we jump in the shower and get out, brush our teeth, wash our faces, put on makeup, get dressed, go to work. And we all do it mindlessly. So if you do it mindfully, I mean, you have to assume that there are other things you do mindlessly during your day. But if you did it, you could drive home mindlessly because you know where you live and you've driven it a thousand times. But if you live your life mindfully, you get a lot more information about what you're thinking and feeling, and you have more opportunities and time and space to try new things. And what does it do to you internally when you start living more mindfully and approaching aging mindfully? Yeah, well... That, that's the upside and the downside, <laughs> because the upside is everything I just said, right? You get um, more information, more wisdom, more ideas um, about what you want to do, how you, you know, key words for being curious and experimenting with different things. The downside is you might run smack right into some sadness and loss and fear. And you have to feel those feelings. And that's hard for people in this society because we're brought up in a society based on the pleasure principle, which says 
If it doesn't feel good, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying something very antithetical to that. I'm saying, no, 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 not so fast. Just sit there with your feelings. If you sit there with your feelings, you'll maybe you'll cry, maybe you'll get angry, maybe you'll throw a mini tantrum. <laughs> Maybe you'll see that you're afraid of something. But that is information that you really need to have because if you don't, it will stay inside you and eat you up from the inside out and you won't have it available to you and you'll be more vulnerable to things going awry if you try to avoid your feelings. We get in more trouble when we try to repress uh, or suppress or deny our feelings. That's when we get in trouble. Well, and there's a Not richness. Not deal. Yeah, be, because there's a richness that comes from having to walk through that fire and having to feel those yeah. feelings. Um, so so right. if you're... You're able to do that, and you come out on the other side. There's a, a depth and an, an appreciation for life that you will not have if you didn't feel those. Exactly. Yes. And you know, the, the, some of the things that you need to embrace in the process of aging is by doing all this that I've just said. You get to tap into your authentic self and discover all kinds of things you might like to do for yourself because it's your time and it's your life. And you can get people's voices out of your head. You know, you mean all the all ones that are saying that we can't do something or we're yeah, too old for right, it. Right, exactly. You know, the ones, the self-talk. I'm not good enough. I'm too old. I can't do that. Um when doing research for the book, I ran across all kinds of people. Some woman started pole dancing at 59 <laughs> years old. That's amazing. <laughs> no, I was going to say another man started yoga at, in his 80s. <laughs> and I bet they just lit up. I bet once they discovered those yeah. things that they just it, it renewed them. Take this on. You'll do things that will make you feel healthy and good about yourself. You know, there's that famous saying that says, sing like no one is listening and love like you've never been hurt and dance like nobody's watching. You know, and that is, this is the time to do that. That should be your goal. You decide what makes you feel healthy and happy exercise, eat well, not because you want to be just fit for someone else's idea of attractiveness, but because it makes you feel good and strong. Right. And we shouldn't let societal pressure dictate how we should dress and behave. And once people start doing that, um, don't they find that once you stop listening to people saying you're too old to do something – doesn't it change? Uh, you suddenly become young enough to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. Exactly, and you become stronger. 
So to do you that, know. how do you, because you have to start, it's not like you wait until you're 70 and then it's like, well, now I'm going to be mindful. I mean, you can, you can do this at any age, but this is something you should really, how do you prepare for aging early? Because obviously we're all well, going in that direction. So how do we start this, this process early? Well, I think nobody does aging alone. So I think you need to look around and make sure you have a support system. You need to stay social. It's scientifically proven that loneliness has negative health consequences. Um, so you don't want to treat uh, loneliness with isolation. You want to make sure that you have, maybe you've lost some people in your life and you want to make sure you can make new friends. So you need to stay social and practice mindfulness. And um, as I said, um, take classes, uh, you know, go to a gym and take classes. You meet people and you get to stay fit. They were talking about just practicing mindfulness reduces brain shrinkage. And, yes. and it lights up new yeah. areas of the brain and keeps that. So we think of mindfulness as something that we're doing just to feel better or to lose anxiety. Or, but we don't realize, like, it is actually helping us preserve our, our youth and keeping our brain healthy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what, what is, um, for you, what is your favorite way to practice mindfulness? Because there's so many different, there's so many ways that we can do this. And, and everyone has their own type of approach that they like what works for you or what have you found to be most um, effective what's most effective for me firstly because I teach it and practice it I pretty much practice it all day long I'm mindful of me when I'm sitting with a patient I'm mindful of what their body language is telling me but my favorite part of the day for doing it is doing it and um, at the end of the day where I just bring myself down and um, get inside my body and see what's going on because if something's going on with me, I want to know it before I get ready for bed because if I <laughs> get ready for bed, I'm going to be up all night <laughs> not being able to sleep because of this. And if I'm having any kind of trouble, I'll put on a um, mindful meditation, you know, a walk-through speaking meditation that will put me to sleep and in a mindful way. It'll mm -hmm. take me through breathing and letting go of the breath and holding the breath and counting to three and everything like that. So my favorite part of the time is later in the day. Yeah, and, and you bring up some really good points with the way that you practice mindfulness because I think sometimes we hear mindfulness and we think, oh, I've got to go, you know, sit cross-legged in a perfectly quiet room and do a mindful meditation. But that's no. really not what mindfulness is about. Not at all. You only have to do it 15 minutes a day in order to change your brain that's amazing that's what yeah. a gr what a great investment <laughs> <laughs> really 
That's, well, you know, there's, there's something else I wanted to ask you about is because we do live in such a youth-oriented culture. And so how do we as individuals kind of overcome that and change the way we look at aging within ourselves and within those around us? Because I, I think that sometimes holds us back that we have these perceptions both for ourselves and for those around us of, of what we should do and what we can do. So how do we get past our own little mental obstacles about that? Well, firstly, um, I think that you need to um, know that there are words that I use with clients and with myself that help me and help them. And they're words like curious. Be curious about what it is you want to do. Maybe you're not agile enough. Maybe you need to work on your abs more. I don't know. But (laughs) if you're curious about whatever it is you want to do, and then experiment. Experiment with different things. If you want to be creative, you know, try an art class. I, uh, a, a patient told me yesterday he signed up for an art class online. I said, I can't think of a worse idea. Why is that? <laughs> because online, you don't have to interact with anyone. And this one has trouble interacting with people. And you're going to be alone. Don't go online to take a creative sculpting or art class. Yeah, because social connection is huge. People. Yeah. You want to be able to connect. It's not when you stop doing and stay still. You need to experience the joys of being human, discovering, developing, and expanding. That's what you need to do. You need to sit down, and this is in my book, Um, and do a timeline of joy for yourself. You know, what things did you do that brought you joy in your first decade, second decade, third decade, all the way That's a marvelous exercise. Yes, because uh, what are some of those things that maybe you could reintroduce into your life now? I think that's something we should do every decade, <laughs> personally. That's, yeah, I think because that's a fabulous God knows exercise. we need more joy into our life, let me tell you. Yeah. Life it can be so stressful at times. When, and let me ask you, too, if, uh, say for someone who is physically challenged as they get older, I think I've got a, a 90-year-old friend, and she has a lot of spine problems, and she there's mm-hmm. a lot of things. She, she's not as mobile as, as she would like to be, mm-hmm. and she stays active going to a book club and keeps her mind busy. So right, right. What, yeah, what do you do for, for individuals who are facing some physical challenges but still want to get these same kind of benefits? Well, you know what? If they look at what the real limitations are that they have. My husband walks with a cane. So I just bought um, a trampoline, a small trampoline for a room in our house. Because I think I get so bored with doing some of the same exercises. 
So he said, well, I don't think I could do that. And I said, I bet you can, and I'll show you how. Because next to the trampoline is one of those treadmill machines. Hold on to the treadmill machine and jump up and down. Yeah. So sometimes there are ways of getting around these things. And again, you're using your creativity. Yeah, you're using your creativity to uh, find the way around it. Yeah, and you're experimenting. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then you can't do it, and you have to honor that. Well, that's wonderful. It's, it seems like your way is to really look um, for a solution. Like, there are no hard roadblocks. There's just uh, a little stumbling block that you have to figure out how to get around. Yeah. And sometimes, as I said, you can, and sometimes you can't. But you can... Um, you know, there are no right ways or wrong ways to age. Learning to age mindfully doesn't happen overnight. And we're so bogged down with societal expectations of us and what that it can take some time to figure out what we want in our later years and what we want our later years to look like. And we need to practice to feel comfortable in our older bodies. And that's where some fun exercise classes or tasty, healthful food comes in. I mean, all this stuff can be helpful. That's terrific. And if, you, if, if people listening, they're in their car, they're not going to remember all of this. So what is the one thing that they should take with them and, and the most important thing that you can drive home with them when it comes to mindful aging? That... Um, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. You can't age alone. You need people in your life. And you need to live your life with intention. If you'd like to learn more about Andrea's book, Mindful Aging, you can visit us online at livehappynow.com. We can also get a free preview of one of the chapters and learn more about how mindfulness can change the way you age, no matter what age you are. That's all the time we have for you today. So until next time, this is Jeff Sanders wishing you a great day and hoping that every day you live happy.